This boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. Okay, so here we go. We're on. We're on. We're I'm, on. I'm like here it. with uh, Ryan Hughes, also yes. known as Rhino, on social media. Or how? how right, let me give a little backstory. Hello, hello. Here we are at the Beverly Hilton at the Bulletproof Conference, and I've seen our mutual friend Troy Casey with this guy on Instagram, and I didn't need to know much. I'm like, I want to get that guy on the podcast. So this is not, that's very affirming to me because a lot of times when people come to our, our events that I've hosted, they've meant so much to me and them, they weren't sure why they were there. So I'm not going to try to logicalize like why I thought you'd be such a great guest on the podcast, but I have a trust and an intuition, and I'm excited to dive deep with you. Good. Well, I'm, I'm excited to be here. I like to share my story. I like to share my experience, and I like to share, you know, uh, um, yeah, it, I guess I would say wisdom because that's what experience is with other people, you know? That's how you learn. That's how you grow is by having big ears and being able to listen, but also, uh, you know, having to be able to have a conversation with somebody at the same time. Yes, sir. How do most people know about you in the world? Uh, most people know about me through um, through my motocross career. You know, I started racing when I was 11 years old uh, back in 1984, and uh, I, I turned professional at 15. I raced, you know, professionally until 2013. Yeah, about about that. You know, I raced um, for a long, long, long time. Raced in Europe, around the world, many different factories. Uh, uh, I don't know how else to explain unless everybody knows motocross, you know. So, um, but in 2013, I had an injury, broke my back, and then that's kind of when my racing career stopped. And I do a lot of coaching and teaching around the world right now. I own a supplement company called Rhino Power, so we do a lot of sports supplements and things that way. I have an online gym, uh, rhinopowergym.com. I have some uh, some equipment that I created, some uh, foot pegs for balance because, you know, in our sport, it's it's it, every sport is asking you to be, you know, react from the balls of your feet. But in the gym, there's nothing asking you to balance on the balls of your feet. The endo board, the busu ball, the the all this stuff is full foot. But when you come to my sport, we're on a two and a half inches of a foot peg, bicycling the same thing. But then you look at all sports, everything comes from the balls of your feet. So I invented this, uh, this foot pegs that uh, we have out there that uh, you can balance on the balls of your feet. And you'd be amazed at how much balance it takes and how much it, uh, <clears throat> you know, it, it um, you know, get, gets the body to use every joint, every muscle of the body. Because, again, your feet are everything, right? Your feet are everything. And like Da Vinci says, your foot is the most complex suspension system ever created, and mechanics will never create it. So if your feet are underdeveloped, your core is underdeveloped. So I invented that, and that's Rhino Equipment. So I have a few little things that way, but the biggest thing is my riding and my coaching. You know, So I coach around the world doing uh, technique on motocross, and that's, that's really my passion. I have a partner that, um, that runs our supplement company, and then I just go out and do my passion. Awesome. And you reside in Encinitas, is that correct? Uh, yes. I was born and raised in Escondido. Uh, I lived in Temecula, California for about 21 years. I uh, just went through a, a, a divorce last year. So uh, kind of the, the, the slate is clean again. And now I'm living in Encinitas down by the beach. Um, you look and, like it. 
and just uh, just ha- just yeah, just kind of just kind of having fun right now in life, just seeing what what what's the next step. You know what I mean? My whole life, I've had a plan, I've had an idea, I've had an agenda, I've had a goal, I've had a direction, I've had a fucking passion. But now it's like things have kind of life has kind of just stripped me and stripped me and stripped me and stripped me. You know, and it's it's, it's kind of put me in a spot of going, okay, what's next? And kind of putting me in a spot of just a, uh, being okay with not knowing. And that's huge. You know what I mean? That's huge when my whole life I've known. I've known what I was going to do since I was 12 years old. You know, I've done one sport, one sport only. I've never had a job. I've never had a boss. I've never went, even went to high school. Uh, the only thing I've ever done was race motorcycles, travel the world, and, and go after a passion like an obsession. And, uh, but now, you know, I just turned 46 yesterday. So, um, that, that passion, that drive isn't there as much anymore because, you know, you're getting a little bit older. And so now I'm trying to figure out what the next stage of life is. And, um, you know, so it's a really exciting time. It's a scary time, but it's a, it's an exciting time to see, you know, this new, new person blossom. You know what I mean? And I'm really, really digging the guy that's coming out because he's so much softer. Uh, he's so much more nice. he's so much more at ease than the guy that was the uh the racer right well i imagine most racers are a bit on like i met a guy yesterday that was so fast twitch and it turns out he's like a tricker like he does this is his profession that mm. i'm just like his his profession is embodied even when he's not doing the profession so mm. i imagine i haven't ever raced motocross but i imagine that is arguably one of the most dangerous sports on earth it's the it's the it's the most physically demanding sport on earth. They scientifically proven that motocrossers are the fittest athletes on earth, bar none. And because of the heart rates that we have to, that we get up to, the uh, um, you know every every muscle in the body is moving at the at all times. It's a full body muscle movement the whole times. So all four extremities are moving at the same time because you have gas, brake, clutch. Uh, brake shifting uh you're riding a motorcycle that ha- that uh, has 60 horsepower it might not be much but on a motocross track it is um the speeds that you go to the bikes weigh in probably 225 pounds the track continually changes every lap because dirt changes and we have so many different consistencies of dirt hard pack mud sand blah 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 the bumps too um you know, it can get 100 degrees outside. You have full head-to-toe gear. The bike produces probably almost 400 degrees, and that's in between your legs. Uh, you have 20 to 40 riders on the track at the same time. And, you know, yeah, the ultimate consequence is death. You know, there's people that just another kid just died yesterday in our sport. So death, and I have probably eight, nine friends that are, that have, um, are paralyzed right now. Uh, even for myself, you know, for 35 years, my, my injury counts a little bit high, but it's, it, it is what it is. Um, I've broken probably 20, 24, 25 bones. I've had 20, like 22 surgeries. I've broken probably 14 ribs, three lungs, lacerated liver. Uh, I have, uh, uh, four rods, three plates, 24 screws in my body. Uh, yeah, nine weeks ago, I just compounded my femur <laughs> and, uh, I've had 19 concussions. I've been paralyzed twice. Um, so yeah, motocross has beat me up, but that's why I lived the, the, the life that I live, you know, a very healthy, very conscious, uh, lifestyle of, of nutrition, of sleep patterns, of, uh, you know, of exercise, not trying to just work out so much. You learn, you're learning how to work in more because my body's asking it, um, also the mind, you know, the mindset, not getting trapped into these ways of having to try to be somebody, 
trying to be something. You know what I mean? I guess I've experienced it, but I see a lot of people just grasping like hungry dogs to try to be somebody. But once you're somebody, now what? Now who are you, you know? And so, you know, not getting stuck into that, you know, that, I guess, that lifestyle of being unfulfilled, you know, because there is a lot of unfulfillment when you're always chasing goals, 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 or or trying to be somebody, be somebody, be somebody, right? And uh, so when you can kind of have a, you know, a smooth, clean lifestyle of your nutrition, of your sleep patterns, of your exercise, of your, you know, mental, emotional game, you know, through yoga, meditation, or, and also just pondering, you know, pondering on yourself, studying yourself, dissecting yourself, you know, finding the, the imbalances in yourself, being aware of that and being, being honest that I'm fucked up. You know, there's things in me that needs to change. But a lot of people don't want to do that. They don't want to take the responsibility in their own hands. They just want to point fingers. And that's incorrect. You know, completely incorrect. It reminds me, like when, you have so- when you're pointing a finger at someone, you have three more pointing back at you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it reminds me of the Tao Te Ching. Uh, if I, if, the way I remember that book opening up is something along the lines of the best way to strip the power from something is to name it. And to me, it sounds like you're going from a solid, identified person with a map laid out to like more the wisdom of insecurity currently. And it's very inspiring to hear you speak about it in such a relaxed, transparent way. So thank you for being here. Yeah, no, it's uh, like I say, you know, with all the injuries, those are all setbacks. And every setback, you have to you have to come back. And a comeback takes takes will. It takes discipline. It takes. uh, it takes creativity sometimes because you got to find new ways, and um, you know, and that just creates wisdom in you because again, the deepest level of knowledge to me is is experience, right? Yeah, I was just having a conversation with my friend Zach, and we were talking about the idea that he believes, and I resonate with this, that he nothing he's experiencing is not that is something that he can't handle. The reason he's experiencing it is because he can handle it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm imagining that might be your path as well in a way. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, like they say, God only gives you what you can handle, so to speak, whatever that means. But um, it's true, you know. But again, there, there, there's a lot of people that can't handle it, so it's not true. <laughs> right? There's a lot of people that's off themselves because they can't handle it. So how how true is that, I guess? It's just the people that have a different perspective of it. My outlook on it is life, God, whatever doesn't have a voice. So it has to speak through situations. And if it wants, if it, life wants you to change, God wants you to change, well, it's not like there's voice, some voice going to come down. There's situations that are being put in front of you. We're the only species on earth that have free will, that meaning that we can decide what we want to do and you know, you know, go left or go right. Most, most animal species are instinctual, so to speak. So we have that free will in us. And so when this situation comes in, do we look at it and, and ponder on it and dissect it and go, okay, hey, how can I improve? Where was I going wrong? Why did this happen? happen instead of trying to point fingers and poor me life doesn't like me i have bad luck uh god's trying to punish me whatever the fuck you're trying to do to yourself it's not true it's 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 a lesson you know life only god only to me wants you to improve wants the best for you but you have to look at these lessons and these situations um in 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 a intelligent mindset you know and actually in a mature mindset and so you know these things in life you know everybody's afraid of of having something go wrong in their life they're so afraid don't say this don't do this because i don't want bad luck or uh, life's going so good right now something bad's gonna happen well i almost welcome sometimes the 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 challenge of life 
because every challenge I've had from my father dying when I was 21 years old to losing all the money I've ever made, to losing my house, to losing, a, you know, to, to a marriage, to all the injuries, to retirement, to being paralyzed, to all these different things that I've gone through in these last 35 years, um, has only improved myself. It's, it's, it's only allowed me to look at myself in a different way and also trust myself. When the shit goes down, I don't need anybody. I don't want to be around anybody. I'll, I'll focus on myself and know that I'm the one to listen to and for me. You get what I'm saying? Because I've gone through so much shit that I'm the only one that's ever gotten myself out of it. I've never asked for help. You understand? Yeah, I understand so too the, from so watching the, animals. Yeah, so animals the same thing. It's, uh, if the shit goes down, I know who I'm relying on because I've trusted myself because I've gone through so much. And when you allow that to happen and you welcome it, then I think that you grow so much. Yeah, there's this idea about anti-fragility. There's even a book out by Nassim Talib. Talib, have you heard of this? It's the whole idea is cre- um, considering that there are some, there's a possibility that challenges or problems or issues or impacts or injuries are actually can make something stronger rather than something weaker. So can, and that's the difference between something being fragile. Fragile is something that when you hit it or impact it or give it resistance, it gets weaker. But he believes that humans and I mean, almost everything can become, like even money systems can become anti-fragile in the sense that give a give it give it some impact, give it some resistance, and that's where the growth takes place. And the, yeah, and you know, you mentioned how God speaks to us, maybe not through audio. And uh, I I remember a quote. I think it's from Carl Jung, that or Carl Carl Jung that. God speaks to us through synchronicities, mm. and I find it pretty interesting that here we are with Rhino in Ryan's room, who I interviewed yesterday, <laughs> to meet at 228 for our podcast in room 228. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, hey, God, thanks for being here. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, you know, and that, and that's the thing is we're always trying to change what's happening right now. We're always trying to control what's happening right now, but what's there to control and change because it's it's already happening. It's happening right now, and I really, truly believe, and I've really focused in, in working on this myself, because sometimes we get into situations that we wish they, they were different, or we want to change them, or we want to do something different instead of just accepting what's happening right now, even if you don't want to be there or you don't want the situation, because maybe life is, is putting something in front of you to allow you to have what you truly been searching for right around the corner. But now that you change the situation or want to manipulate the situation, well, fuck, now we got to go down 7th Street, down to 10th Street, back on the 405, you know, and it's crowded and it's traffic to get back to over here. And you might not get that opportunity for another year or so, let's say, because you tried to change what's happening right now. And what's there to change? What's there to change when it's happening right now? You know, you know, if, if it wasn't meant to be, it wouldn't be happening right now. And so I think we're always trying to do that. And I think sometimes we take ourselves out of what life is trying to unfold for us, even if this situation isn't, uh, isn't what we want at the, at the time. You know what I mean? Yeah, let's, uh, man. Yeah, so I, I hear a lot of trust, embodiment of trust coming from you, and I see that. And there, a few things. Encinitas, great surf town. It's cool that you live there. I, I uh, when we had our baby, I was like, well, you actually, because I've been traveling pretty consistently mm. for like 10 years, like mm. a month at a place yeah, here yeah, and there. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, you want me to, so we're going to stay somewhere for more than a year? And I looked at Encinitas. I've been to every state. Yeah. That town, I've never seen more gentlemen that are significantly older than me mm-hmm. that seem as healthy or yeah. healthier. Oh, yeah. Now, that place has a vibe. You know, that place has an energy. That place has a, it's a vortex. 
You know what I mean? And the reason that you see healthier men there is because uh, everybody's conscious. Everybody's conscious of their health. Everybody's conscious of not overextending themselves. You know, I think you're seeing a lot of healthy young or healthy older men is because they're not in this rat race. They're not on the freaking hamster wheel trying to just make it and make it and make it and trying to just feed ego and ego. Because after a while, you know, when you get older, you know, I'm 46 now. The exterior of life isn't isn't really that is exciting, you know. I've experienced it all. What's there? What's there? You're going to show me. What are you going to give me? What am I going to experience that I haven't experienced in this 46 years on the exterior of life? And this is to me when that that um, you know that midlife crisis comes in. And most men think that, hey, well, when I was young, because you, life starts becoming a little bit stale, a little bit monotonous, a little bit bored, the, the family life, the marriage, the job, the whatever, and you always go back to what made you happy. Oh, when I was younger, I had the car. When I was younger, I had the Tommy Bahama shirt on. When I was younger, I had the hot chick, right? So they kind of, you see older men kind of go that way, but you're not going to ever fulfill yourself through the exterior of life if you've already experienced it. It's, it's time to do an about face. And now experience who you truly are inside. You understand? And to me, that's what the midlife crisis is. It's just doing an about face and going to, into the inner world and not trying to uh, fulfill yourself in the outer world because it never happen. Once you've experienced it, you've experienced it. It's like, it's like drinking alcohol. You, you take a couple drinks and after a while, you get to drink more and drink more and drink more and drink more. You know what I mean? You're never going to get that first feeling of... Of being buzzed, I guess, right? Yeah, I would I would argue that most suffering for most people comes from aiming to recreate experiences they've had before or yeah. avoid experiences they've had before. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I don't believe anything happens twice. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I mean, it, the same thing can happen, but it's it has different ingredients in it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. What about surfing? Have you experienced surfing out there in Encinitas? And the reason I asked that too is because I'm imagining the foot pegs. I'm, did you bring those with you by any chance? Uh, I have them in my van. I'm like curious what's going on with Dude, those. They're, they're I imagine it's great for surfing. Is it? it it's it's great for everything because every sport is asking you to be, you know, is to is to pivot to to explode to do whatever from the balls of your feet. That's where everything comes from. And again, there's n I've I've searched. We have a pat. I have a patent on it, and I searched, and there's nothing in the gym that's asking you to balance on the balls of your feet. It's always full-footed, you know, and or, you know, um, so anyways, you know, blah, blah, blah. I don't surf. I don't surf. I've just been, I've just been, like I said, absolutely obsessed with one sport and one sport only and one idea, and that's riding a motorcycle because nothing in life can compare to that, man. I promise you. You can ask any, you know, any surfer who rides or anybody that does another sport that rides motocross. They're like, dude, there's nothing like it. You know what I mean? Because it's just, it's it's so exhilarating and you can do so many different things and everything's changing and this and that. And then when you become one of the, you know, one of the world's best at it, then you can do anything on a motorcycle. It takes it to another level. So I'd never really, you know, was, I never really uh, got that interested in, in surfing. And I don't like big waves. <laughs> so I can jump 100 foot, but you put me about a five-foot wave. I'm like, oh, shit. I got to go. Ooh, I, I'll paddle back in, you know? Yeah, yeah. I've definitely experienced <laughs> that. It's like the, the ocean, many activities are a great equalizer. I think uh, climbing is a great yeah, equalizer yeah. Um, because there could be someone that's just so much seemingly stronger in the gym mm. than person B. But then put those people in the ocean or on a rock that they're mm -hmm. climbing, all of a sudden you'll see who really specializes yeah. in what. Yeah, well, fitness only goes so far, you know. Like in our sport, you know, people think fitness is going to create speed. 
No, no, no. Technique creates speed. Fitness just creates speed for a duration of time. You understand? It doesn't matter how strong you are. It doesn't matter how far you can ride a damn bicycle. If you don't ride this motorcycle efficiently, if you don't have a flow, if you don't have a feel to it, well, now, you, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how fit you are. Flow state activation. I'm it, imagining that activates the flow state. Like it's it's no, 100%. No that's, all, that's all. The flow state is a feel. Done. Take your mind out because your mind, like we just talked, it's ahead of you or behind you or around you. It's never now. It can never be now. That's why we're always next, next, next. You know, once we, oh, man, I can't, I can't wait to take a shower. Once you jump into the shower, that water hits you, what am I going to do next? Man, I'm so hungry. I can't wait to eat. Right? When you put that first spoonful in your mouth after a couple mmms, what am I going to do next? Right? And that's how it is. And so... Uh, in, in sport, it's about a feel because feeling is happening right now. Feeling isn't happening ahead of you or behind you, you know? And when you feel, well, then you can trust maybe that those wheels or that basketball or that football or your feet are going to be where they should be. And if there's a trust in you, well, there's a relaxation in you, then there's a flow in you and it's called the flow state, right? But if you're always thinking it or letting your mind wander, you know, it's just like driving a car. How many times have you gone? You know, you've gone through a stoplight, and you're like, "Oh shit, was that red or was that green?" Because your mind was thinking about something else, or you're feeling something. But your body, the instinctual part of it, knows how to drive a car, right? Because you've done it so much. The third level of learning: subconscious competency. You know how to do it so well, you don't even have to think about it, right? And so that happens very easy for really good athletes and people that are really good at stuff. If they've done it so much that it starts to become the body becomes very conditioned at it, what it does. Uh, all the time. So then it doesn't really take much thought. And then your mind can kind of start wandering on stuff. And when your mind wanders on stuff, then you're always maybe a little bit behind what's happening, right? So there's where that notchiness comes from. That's where that stiffness comes from. That's where that hesitation comes from. And with stiffness, notchiness, hesitation, there's no flow, right? There's no flow. I mean, how long are the races? Because I'm now I'm empathize. I'm imagining this race. How long are the duration of these usually? Um, in Supercross, uh, twenty minutes. So I'm imagining that's like twenty minutes and comparable and to a fight. Like people that are going. To yeah, fight we or, have the the heart rates up to two ten. You know, two ten. For the duration or just spikes? Uh, <laughs> like, little spikes, but probably keep around two hundred for. You know, the whole race. I, I, I wore a heart rate monitor at a, a race, and many people wear them now, but this was, this was a while ago. And um, so for 45 minutes, so we used to race the GPs, which in Europe there are two 45-minute races. You know, so 45 minutes, hour and a half uh, rest, 45 minutes again. And my heart rate was 185 to 195 for 45 minutes. Whoa. Yeah. And it's because you know the, how that compares? Because like? the adrenaline, you know what I mean? The adrenaline, like you can be, you'll have your heart rate monitor on and you'll be sitting on a st- starting line and your your your, uh, your heart rate, say, be 110. And then the guy comes in and does this. Hey, start it up. Right when you start your bike up, woof, 140. You know, instant. It's just like, same thing as you get somebody, they're relaxed, you put them on the side of a cliff and they look down, boom, instant spike, right? And so that's what happens is that adrenaline, you know, spikes, spikes that heart rate up. And uh, so, yeah, uh, 35 minutes outdoors, 45 minutes outdoors, supercross inside the stadiums are 20 minutes. And, um, yeah, it's a battle, man. It's a battle. There's not anybody that's races that hasn't been hurt, you know, that hasn't been knocked out, that hasn't broken something. It's not if, it's when, <laughs> you know, unfortunately. And, well, so I'm, I'm looking at your arm here, and I just want this is just a personal question 
question here that logo, this symbol, what is yeah. that symbol and how would you describe the symbol? So, and if people want to see the symbol, check out the video at, at breakingnormal.com slash podcast. Um, yeah, I got this, this, uh, last year. Uh, I did, I traveled the world last year, coaching, teaching. Uh, I ran, I ran a little bit, but then I chased what was being asked of me. You know, I ran from situations at home a little bit, you know, normal to get away. New eyes, new ways. Can't you can't see your you can't see a new direction uh, in dust. You know what I mean. So you gotta gotta clear you gotta clear your vision and to see what's truly happening. Too many people want to stay around in a situation and try to change their and change it where you or change change themselves. But there's no way to change yourself if you're stuck in the situation that caused this person or caused this incident, right? So I did that. I did 120,000 miles last year, 14 different countries, 15 different states. You know, I taught so much. Um, uh, so, but when I was in Africa, I got this, this tattoo. So from 1994 to 2013 was my racing career. 84, you said. I mean, I mean sorry, 1984 mm-hmm. to 2013 was my racing career. Okay. So this was when I was born. Okay. This is when I died. That person, that mm-hmm. racer, and that mentality. you were 12? Uh, 11, 11, 11 okay. yeah. So when I was born, pretty much I died when that, that racer, that, that guy couldn't be him anymore. And then, so birth, death, rebirth. So then there was a rebirth, this person that, that came out of, out of it after retiring, after saying, okay, I can't be rhino anymore. Okay. I can't try to pump my ego up or, or challenge people or be better than people on a motorcycle. You know, it's very, it's very humbling when that's where your whole identity came from for, for 30 something, you know, 30 years. And then the next one was, uh, 1994 to 2018. That's, uh, that was my, um, my relationship with my, my ex, um, the most amazing woman that, you know, I've ever come across and, uh, you know, that that's life. So kind of a born, you know, to me, I looked at it being born into a relationship, learning how to understand a woman, learning how to love a woman, learning how to take care of children, learning how to be responsible, consistent, learning how to put yourself on the back burner. And then when it ended, it's like, okay, well, that guy died. And now there's a rebirth of this guy that's sitting here right now of going, okay, which direction do I go? Mm, <laughs> you know, so that's, that's kind of the symbol of birth, death, rebirth, you know, and that's, that's just my little my little thing for me, you know? Oh yeah. And is that, do you know where that symbol is originated from? Um, I think it's Celtic, before. Celtic maybe or Celtic. Okay. Called, that yeah. might be a Celtic yeah, symbol. Cool. I think it's Celtic. It's like yeah, three different from, vortexes. Yeah. Kind of on. Yeah. So I did that. And then, the, you know, these are all the people that have died in my family. And then, uh, this is just a little life of a father, uh, or sorry, love. I have a love for a lot of things, people, things I've done, you know, da, 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 father, lost my father, am a father, pain. I've gone through more pain mentally, physically, and emotionally than you could shake a stick at. And then desire. I haven't created, I haven't got anything out of my life with just a little bit of desire. So it's like my little life. Say that last part with the desire again. Uh, I haven't got anything out of my life, uh, without a little bit of desire, a little bit of yeah. desire, like but that. it depends on if you're a girl, then it's all different. No, <laughs> <laughs> I can make up anything with this. <laughs> <laughs> and you have a kids, you said, yes, I have a 21 year old son and a 17 year old daughter. And are they into <laughs> racing? Uh, my son races mountain bikes professionally. Oh wow! Yeah, okay, he works so for mount- he races mountain bikes professionally, um, and then he also works for a, a CBD company called Floyd's of Leadville. Okay. So Floyd Landis, 
the cyclist. Okay. Yeah. So he has a CBD company and he works for them. Okay. And cool. He, tra- he travels around and does that. My daughter's still in high school, and uh, so she's just kind of, she's a girl. And she never got into the. No, no, many, no. There's not many women in motocross. No, 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 no. There's, there's no. I mean, there's some women that race or ride, but there's no future in it at all. Zero future. Zero future. So, does uh, she sing? She has a voice like an angel, but um, you know, she's a girl, and so it's kind of like. I bet there's gonna be some girls who like they might be inspired to try to prove you wrong after hearing that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, hey, more, more, more. <laughs> uh, it's, it's not the girls' problem. It's not the girls' problem. It's a sports problem. Yeah, that's all it is. It just doesn't feed the woman, you know, that that athlete, so to so to speak. <clears throat> they can't make money. There's no races really. There's no series for it. And it's sad they used to. And there was a lot of women that came on. And I loved, I loved to teach the girls because they they learn so much quicker than the man. Because a man will come in with an ego and like, fuck, I got this. Well, why? Wh-? And then you're knocking on his helmet. Hey, wake up, bud. I thought you had it, right? The woman isn't going to do anything until they know truly how to do it. So when I speak, I can see them look in my eyes and they ask questions. The, the, the guy, they're over here and over here and over here, you know what I'm saying? And so it's it 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 pretty fun to teach women because I see how fast, you know, they get it and they learn. And, uh. So that was always a pleasure for me, you know. Did you ever want your daughter to race or get into motocross, or is that something? Because I'm imagining being yeah. you and me having a two-year-old daughter, I probably wouldn't want her to get into that. No, no, no. I didn't. I didn't want her to do it. If she wanted to ride, she could ride. You know, my son raced for a while, and then uh, he broke his leg and stuff like that. And then I think he's, you know, he kind of saw all the stuff that I went. How through. was that for you, seeing your son break his leg? Um, that? it's yeah, it's scary. Now, now I always tell my mom I'm sorry. You know, because my mom's gone through every injury I've ever gone through. And I always tell her, I'm sorry I put you through this because I I didn't know. And seeing my son with a broken leg, yeah, I mean, it's a bummer, but we're so used to it. You know, we're so so used to it. It's just like I I broke this humor, my humerus here when I was up in um, Washington. So snap around my head, this and that. And my mechanic called my wife at the time and says, hey, you know, uh, we're going to the hospital. Uh, Ryan broke his broke his arm, and she's like, "Oh no, what did he break? He broke his humerus." Oh shoot! Anything else? No, he's good. Other than that, oh okay, cool. Well, just call me when you guys are done. You know, it's the same thing with my femur. When I was laying on the track nine weeks ago with the broken femur, I was on the phone with my mom. You know, I even called my ex-wife and just said, "Hey, this is what's going on." Da 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 da, and uh, um. Yeah, so it's just you get used to it. You get very numb to it, and that's our sport. We're very numb to these injuries, you know. But it's it's just, you know, it's strange. Some of these things are meant to happen. You know, like with uh, with my femur, it was it felt like something just pulled me off my bike, you know. And when I broke my back, I broke, uh, in 2013, I broke T2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and one crash. And, um, you know, I laid on the track paralyzed from neck down, and it was the same thing. I really feel like there's things in life that – come about that really want to, that you really, really wants you to start to change, go down a different road. And with people like myself, we, I don't know how to stop. I don't know how to quit. And so to me, it takes tragic things almost to make me wake up and then turn my direction. You get what I'm saying? Because little things aren't going to aren't going to disturb me or little things aren't going to make me question or little things aren't going to make me, you know, pause or stop it has to be something almost tragic to go <gasps> shit to go okay and maybe go a different direction you know and maybe that's changing with this new season 
Yeah. Maybe being in this wisdom of the unknown, that your your sensitivity to more subtle things might amplify potentially. That's just a theory. I'm yeah. No, it's it's a, right it's a hundred percent. I'm uh, I'm not. You know, it takes a lot to disturb me. <laughs> I bet. I <laughs> it bet. takes a lot to disturb me, and I'm very, you know, just even like, you know, my girlfriend, she's like, man, just you, nothing, nothing really irritates you, or nothing really disturbs you, or you're just, you're just so easy. And I said, yeah, well, you know, it's, you find out that you, you don't need everything to be your way. When everything, when you need everything to be your way, then you're always, then you're always kind of missing. You're always unfulfilled because half the time they're not, they'll never go to your way. Right, you know those people that always have to have it their well, way. Well, now I'm thinking of your this, desire. And this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and it's like, no, 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 man. You just sometimes have to let it happen, and just flow with it. And then there's no, you know, there's no highs and lows, I guess, of life because everything kind of, you're, you're just accepting, and that's that's instead of identifying or or being attached to what you think, you're just accepting and allowing what's happening right now. You know, and that's the biggest thing with things that happen in your life, you know, with injuries or divorce or these things, you have to, you have to accept. And once you can accept, then you can allow the change, allow the lesson. And once you allow the change and the lesson, well, now there's growth. There's potential for growth. But if you don't accept it and you want to point fingers or poor me or da, 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 well, then you're not going to allow, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to allow anything. And then it becomes stuck. And anything stuck never moves, never progresses, never does anything because you didn't allow this, this, this thing to happen or this allow this thing, the situation to change you. Right. I hear you. And it, th- it makes me think about the desire part, how you said a little desire. Cause I, there's this idea that I really resonate with that Sometimes the medicine is in the poison mm-hmm. and the poison's in the dose. Mm-hmm. And in this metaphor, the poison could be desire because when someone hits a point of desire where they're attached that is maybe too much, but yeah. li- I, I, that's why I, I like that little dosage, a micro dose of desire. Yeah, a little dose. Well, yeah. mine was massive, <laughs> massive desire, almost too much. You know, you you have those people that just overdo everything. So now, you know, I teach I teach much better than the way I did it. You know what I'm saying? And the that, one that's, that what I, that's why I tell everybody, I go, look, I'm not teaching you the way I did it. I'm teaching you better than the way I did it because I've seen every mistake. I've identified every weakness and I've, I've, I've changed, you know, all the wrong directions I've gone or the wrong decisions that I made. So now I can turn it around and teach you better than the way I did it. The only thing I'm giving you from my career is my determination, my passion and my consistency, you know? That's it. Other than that, everything that I did has been changed for the better because I've identified the weaknesses that I had, right? Yeah, the one that goes through the wall first sometimes gets the bloodiest. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So thanks and, for blazing and so I'd trails. Rather, <laughs> I'd rather be a, a great teacher, a great helper, a great, you know, uh, yeah, you know, coach than to be a, a great champion because a champion – well, now what? But a coach and a teacher and a and someone that can inspire people. Well, now, now you're 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 gaining limbs and you're going to be able to help for generations and generations and and be able to spread something and 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 help your sport, let's say, or or other people instead of just looking at a bunch of number one plates on your wall and be like, I'm badass. Yeah, but that was 20 years ago, all <laughs> right. So you know, I'd rather much be able to. Uh, be the coach, the great coach, than the great champion, because that's going to help so many more people in the future. 
Thank you for sharing that. I, I definitely want to make some space be, uh, in this hour here, roughly, about how like your modalities of healing. But real quickly, I'm curious, for your racing career, when you were in it with all the desire, all the passion, all the, all the grit, what was the low point of that experience for you? Just with the first one that comes to heart and then the high point. Uh, low point was uh, my dad dying. You know, I was 21 years old. My dad, uh, he was at every race, filmed every race, worked on my bikes, drove my, drove my, you know, drove me everywhere, this and that. And, you know, I was pro at the time, so he wasn't working on my bikes, but he was still a big part of my, my, uh, my career. Uh, he, he, when he died, um, it was in the middle of the season, you know, in the beginning of the season, I was one of the guys that they're picking for the championship. He died and then, um, uh, I never won a race before, but the next week, right after he died, I won my first race. Yeah. So, uh, that was, that was a low point of my dad dying, you know, but then, uh, a high point the next week was me winning the race, but it was still kind of a low point because I didn't get to share it with him, you know? And, uh, you know, I mean, I mean it's still, <laughs> it's still, you know, it's still 20 something years later and that, and that still brings up, you know, these emotions in you and, uh, you know. Uh, you know, back in the day when he was, when I found out that he was dying, because I didn't get, I didn't find out that he was cancer. It was, your dad's dying. Your dad's going to die. It was terminal. Boom. Three months dead. And so, but I was so into my career and into my racing that I almost put, I had to put it to the side, you know, because I was so focused on what I was doing and it wasn't like it was just a game. It was, it was my livelihood. This was my job. This was my, you know, I had sponsors and all this stuff putting so much money and emphasis on you because you're the one that's supposed to win the championship. So I pushed that aside. So now it's like, I deal with this, this stuff more because I never, I never dealt with it. And, um, uh, so that was probably some of the lowest points. The highest points were there's a, a a race called the motocross to nation. So they pick three of the best riders from every country and you go to a certain country that they've picked the year, just like the Olympics. And those three riders, have three different classes. We all race against the other three best riders in all the countries, and whoever has the lowest score of, of, of finishes wins wins the the motocross the nations. And so I've gotten picked three, you know, four or five, four times in that. I've raced it three times, uh, finished second twice, and then first in 2000 uh, in France in Saint Angeli, France. So I've raced in France, uh, Czechoslovakia, and Belgium in that race. So that was probably one of the high points, just because. I always looked up to that race when I was younger, and then when I was younger, I said, "I'm going to race that. I'm going to be. I want to. That's that's something I'm going to race." And I got the p- chance to do it, and we won it. So, I'd say low points, you know, and high points. Uh, yeah, you know, there's a few other ones, but those are the, probably the biggest ones, you know. Yeah, I hear and see a man that I imagine is like accurately reporting the the reward and the cost of being on like a one track obsession that's like calling you and going for it and sending it and remembering the future of it happening before it did and doing it. And then like also hearing some of the costs that come with that. And um, I'm, it's an honor to hear you just like accurately report that history. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. You know, they say that concussions screw your, you know, block your memory. I've been knocked out 19 times, like knocked out, like, hello. You know that commercial? I don't know if you remember that commercial. Hey, who are you? I'm Batman. 
Remember, is it a Snickers commercial or something? I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I remember the commercial, but I can yeah. imagine for some so, reason yeah, you so being been, knocked out. Yeah, I've been knocked out like 19 <laughs> times, just like cold. And uh, so, but my memory's good from it. I just, I think because I was, I'm so engaged in it. You know, I was so engaged. I remember, you know, when, we, when I first started going out with my ex-wife, we we're sitting in my garage looking at my bikes. And, you know, we're just, you know, after a few months or whatever. And I remember saying, it was kind of getting a little, started getting a little serious. I said, all right. I said, you see that motorcycle right there? And she says, yeah. I go, that's my first love. And nothing comes before that. Nothing. Remember that. If you can handle that, we can continue this relationship. If you can't, we're done. Because nothing will ever come before that. But unfortunately, I, I deal with that now. Because it was such an obsession. It was such a passion. It was such a drive for me that I did ignore her a bit. And I wasn't present with my kids. I was around them a lot, but I was somewhere else. And that's my biggest regret right now, uh, you know, not living with my kids and stuff like that, is that I was distant. You know, I was distant. And it was just because I was so obsessed with something that it just made me distant. And uh, so those were, you know, those those are are some tough tough things to – and then, again, you know, the things start to come out like we talked about before is that you can – you can – you can suppress a lot of things that are deep in you, a lot of darkness, a lot of shadow in you, or things that you've done in the past. You can suppress that because you're so focused on this and you're always being this energetic, you know, pa- you know, passionate, driven, successful guy. But once that goes away, then all this stuff starts to bubble up. You know what I mean? And that's where it kind of starts going wrong for a lot of athletes, for a lot of you know, maybe movie stars, CEOs and stuff like that, because they were able to put a cap on some things. But once they say that I'm not this anymore, well, here you come. Right. And uh, now, 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 now life really starts to challenge you. <laughs> so, wow. yeah, well, I mean, I mean, as you know, like having a daughter this, this year was one of the saddest days of my life. You know, I, I knew it was going to happen, but a lot of times you know when something's going to happen, but it's not reality until it, 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 it doesn't sink until it slaps you in the face until it's true reality. So when I was on the road, I, you know, I knew it, say my, my wife was going to move out my ex-wife was going to move out and the kids were going to go with them. I knew it. But once I came home, I came home to an empty house, like completely empty. Everything was gone. And I remember walking down the hallway and looking in my daughter's room and it was completely empty. And, dude, I fell to my knees crying. It was like the saddest day of my life because I'm like, oh, my God. Like, reality just hit. Like, I don't know if I'm ever going to live with this little girl again, you know? Just think of not living with your little baby. Even though she was 16 years old, she's still my little baby, you know? And not and not, uh, not ever probably living with her again, you know? It was it was one of the saddest days of my life. And, uh, uh, you know, I don't know why I said that, but just just things, you know, because the biggest thing is I like to share with people because maybe people hearing that other people have gone through it and, uh, you know, that, that have stayed strong, that have stayed motivated. I've never got off my track. I just did an interview with recovery magazine, a big podcast too. And they were just blown away by how I I have never got addicted to any pain medicine. I don't use, I didn't use any pain medicine for my leg, nothing. And, uh, and they wanted to do an interview on how, how you do that. And, I guess I just, the biggest thing is just because I love myself, you know, I'm not going to allow myself to go down that road. And also now I try to, I don't use it not to be tough, but I don't use it for the people that have a problem with it. You understand? Like I, I really, every try to morning, I try to really 
uh, honor walking because there was a time that I didn't walk and I have friends that can't walk. So I want to honor that ability to walk for the people who can't. I want to honor not taking this shit that's causing so much problems in people's lives now. And that's these opiates, right? It's so easy to get addicted to these things. And so, um, yeah, I don't even know where in the hell I went. That's great. It's great. <laughs> well, you know, one thing that came with me, when, my, when I saw my daughter birthed, it was arguably one of the saddest days, saddest moments of my life and happiest and yeah. everything. But I, that bubbling up effect, all of a sudden, a lot bubbled up. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I can resonate with that. Mine was more of just like rituals, and I like I, I I've talked about this before, but there was a point the birth was so long and extreme that I realized like I wanted to smoke some cannabis and drink some beer and get another space. And then when I did, the baby was born, and I'm like, <laughs> and I, all this stuff started bubbling up about things I do to change my state. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and the same thing. What's the solution? Loving myself yeah. and focusing on that because it's. I'm not not denying. I felt the feelings. I still feel the feelings. There was a lot that birth, the da- the daughter story. It's like man, yeah. thing, oh, man, brings up so much. I'm parenting. What a hero's journey. Whew. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's it's like I've you know I've I've like come to this point where I've done it. You know, I've done it. It's, it's a little bit scary though too to me because it's like okay, what what you know what what what's gonna what's life gonna offer me that I haven't experienced already? You know. To, to race and be the best of anything, did it. Marriage, did it. Kids, did it. Had the mortgage since I was 18 years old, you know, did it, da-da-da. You know, yeah, I've, I've tried about every drug there is. <laughs> Why not? Sex, <laughs> I could write a, a book on it, you know what I mean? So I've chased all these things, but I'm always land right back here, <laughs> right back with myself, you know what I mean? Because that's Cause I've always been trying to fill this void and to fill this void and fill this void and fill this void. And it never could be filled until I came almost, I came to peace with myself of just being myself and not having to be anything, just on myself. And if I don't live up to everybody else's expectations or anybody else's idea of me, that's fine. That's their expectations. That's their idea, not mine, you know? And so... Because, man, I've tried to fill it with everything and and, and it, nothing worked until I just came to peace with myself, you know, and, and peace with the and be, peace with not being perfect, peace with being broken, peace with being wrong, peace with being lazy, you know, peace with being not motivated anymore. Was there a pivotal moment that, that like the most, when is there the most pivotal moment that you may have had them like, whoa, I got to wake up to what's really going on and being myself rather than these external or exogenous substances or people or ideas or whatever. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've never been addicted, you know, never did addicted to anything, but just, you know, the fun and games of it, you know, cannabis, this, hey, what's that? Oh, I'll try that, 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 you know. And then when you're in Vegas, well, <laughs> uh, no, I'd, I'd say the most turning point was this last year, December 25th, I came home. Like I say, I was on the road for nine weeks straight and I went to New Zealand, Australia, Spain, South Africa, Bali, back to New Zealand, uh, Argentina and Peru, all in nine weeks, a week at each one. Right. And I came off the road. I was cooked. And again, I knew I sold my house while I was on the road. I knew it. But when I came home, reality set in. 
And so I rolled up and I, I just, uh, I was, I was staying in my mom's house at the at time in Escondido. And so I rolled up and I remember waking up that next morning, I was completely fried from being so many different time zones and traveling and stuff. I think I had chronic fatigue and I remember waking up going, standing there going, Oh my God. It was this, probably one of the scariest days of my life. 45 years old. At this time last year, when I was at this, I had a wife, I had kids at my house, I had a house, I had a direction, I had all this. Everything was comfortable. Everything was comfortable. Now I'm sitting here one year later in my mom's house, 45 years old. My kids are gone. My ex-wife's gone. My house is sold. My shit is everywhere that four different people, you know, have all my stuff and storages and all this stuff. And I'm just, I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God. Because when I was on the road, it was distracting. Right. I had something to cover up all this. But once I got home, it was like, holy shit. It, that was probably one of the scariest. I mean, I sat there and cried. You know, I mean, I'm not afraid. I cried so much last year. I could probably fill that Beverly Hills swimming pool up with tears. You know, do you and, regret it? No. no. So like, what about no, someone that might no. be like they might be listening to this and being like, oh, I like I thanks for sharing this with me. How do I not how does that not happen to them or how can they dissipate the the intensity of that and like take a gut check or a check in the mirror or what is any, any perspectives on that? Uh, to me, feel it. Don't try to hide it. You know what I mean? Accept it, accept where you are, accept that you hurt, accept that you're sad, accept that you're angry, accept that you're all these things because these are the emotions that are coming up. And whatever you try to repress is only going to gain claws. So you got to accept that these things are happening. It, it can't just be all the happy emotions. You got to you got to honor the other side of you. You know what I mean? Because human beings are full rounded, and if you don't honor that other side of you, well, then they're only going to they're only going to get stronger. And so I, you know, that's the way I say. It. The other thing is find a hobby, find something that keeps you entertained, find something that keeps you focused, find something that you can go do when these when these bad times come up because they will you might think that okay i'm past it all right but now your your wife you know even just for me now your wife that you just left a year ago doesn't even call it doesn't even text you uh say happy birthday to you oh whoa well i, I thought i was kind of over it you understand and that just happened yesterday so <laughs> you know so it's not you think you're over it but then bam you know you're, you're not over it so and then when things like this happen and then I get get myself in the pity party, well, hey, I got to go, you know, I got to go to what helps me get out of that yoga, going for a walk, you know, maybe breath work, whatever. I was lucky to meet, uh, you know, a girl, Danielle. And so that's kind of filled the void a little bit. But, uh, you know, it, it, that a, a person will never fill the void 100%. You can, it's like a Band-Aid, but all Band-Aids fall off. And I think that lack that that always more to fill the void is what keeps people alive and thriving. That yeah. microdose of desire or a macrodose yeah. to make things better. Yeah, because that's what I realized this year is that you know I had a hole in me of of loneliness. I had a hole in me of of yeah, I guess loneliness. But once I filled that hole of loneliness with somebody else, I created three more holes. You understand? So you think you want, you have this hole in yourself, uh, loneliness, unfulfillment, whatever. You fill that hole, but now what you filled that hole with is going to create three more holes. So now I got to pay attention to somebody constantly. Now I got to pay for somebody. 
<laughs> now I, you know what I mean? So now you got all these, these other things that come up that weren't there when you're just by yourself or, or in another situation. So be careful what you fill your hole up with, because there's going to be three more that you got to deal with after you just, you know, you just sealed that one up, I guess. Right. Yeah, what I'm hearing too, and I've heard one of my favorite friends slash musicians, Dustin Thomas, sing, in order to, f- to free your pain, feel your pain. And maybe what I'm hearing you say is that instead of focusing on filling the void, maybe to feel the void. Yeah. And ex- see if we can appreciate that void. Yeah. See if we can experience it and appreciate it and be, be with it. Yeah, because it's happening. And like I said earlier, what's happening is meant to happen because it's happening right now. And so, and you can't change what's happening right now. You can maybe in the future, but right now you can't. So accept it, be with it, feel it. You are it, right? And once you, it's like pain. Once you can accept your pain, it fades away. It really does, you know. And physical pain, there's nobody's gone to more physical pain than than I have that I know. And that has brought me to this laser focus. Most people can bring come into a present moment by meditation, by the spirit of God or whatever, but I've come, I've channeled this present moment and being able to be so focused from pain, learning how not to let the pain, you know, uh, overcome me or to learn how to turn it off. Like when you're sitting on the track and you got broken femur and there's no meds, there's no nothing for 30, 40 minutes. Well, you got to deal with it, you know, or you don't. Cause like this femur, I didn't, I didn't told them no medicine. I want to ex- I want to experience this fucking incident. I have to. I can't be out of my mind right now. I have to experience this because I want to make sure that the next time that I need to feel my ego, I remember this situation. Right? So. <laughs> Told you I could talk. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking, I mean, that's so that we're in deep waters. I feel like we're in deep waters here. <laughs> I think I'm also wanting to honor a little space. I'm 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 real I'm remembering the world of quantum physics and how most everything is space and here you are talking about this space or the void or the whole or whatever you want to reference it. And um yeah, I think it's really an, an inspiring message that you're sharing and I'm thankful to be sitting here with you. And, and I know we're about to run off to the Mystic Misfit event yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Before we go though, are there some just obvious, like if someone's dealing with pain, and I also want to take a note that pain and pleasure, sometimes there's a thin line between pain and pleasure. And I, this is, for me, even studying the birthing world, I've met women that orgasm during yeah. births, and then I've met women that was the most painful experience in their life. <laughs> yeah. And wow, that's, let's take and consider that. Consider what that means, not only for women, but men too. Yeah. And that, that thin line between pain and pleasure, that thin line between life and death. And to enjoy this thin line, this this empty space that we find ourselves in. And that being said, well, it seems like you might be a master healer of sorts. Like many people probably haven't overcome as many injuries as you have, and still are as vitalistic as you are. Is there any kind of ultimate hacks that you, that most people would benefit from hearing about? Um, no, I wouldn't say that I have any super trick. You know, there's so many things. You know, people, oh, get this stem cell and that and this and that and this. And I go, how about how about I just how about I just let life heal me. And I just live life, you know, me getting up and walking me, you know, when I'm on my leg and I have crutches in my hand, and I only can do so much, but I you know, still got to do it. I still take care of myself. Just that activity, that ability to help yourself, that ability to uh, have that fortitude to, you know, to do it and not ask for anybody, uh, anybody's help. 
right? So that I try to just let life heal me, eating great food, you know, no, no gluten, dairy, sugar, you know, alcohol, fast food, you know, no bullshit, you know, only put the best in me, sleep patterns, uh, uh, honoring yourself under, you know, uh, being compassionate that, Hey, I did hurt myself. Let myself have a break, you know, let myself be weak. Let myself not be, uh, so determined, I guess. Um, what about let yourself receive help from others? Is that one that you do? Yeah. Is that a challenge for you? Yeah. I don't, I don't really get much help from anybody. I, I don't ask for it. I don't know. And not, 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 not any other way. It's just, I'm just a private person. You know, it's like my, you know, my girlfriend or whatever. She's, she's like the butterfly. Holy cow. And she's, aren't you excited to meet people? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> well, it's maybe like I, the, I, I, the, more, the more people I know, the more drama. <laughs> right? I'm wondering, I'm, I'm wondering <laughs> if there's a season coming for you where you're going to receive so much support from others. I mean, I do. I get, I, I mean, there's so much support. There's so many people that are behind me. So many people that have helped me this and that. I'm just not the person to go ask for it. You know, I'm, I'm, I can manage myself. I'm a big boy. Um, I've got myself out of so much bullshit. Like we talked about before, it's kind of like, I only trust myself because I've got myself out of so much. You know what I mean? I didn't ask for help or did I, you know, or did I even pray for help or did I anything? I just, I'm here. I'm the one that created this. I'm the one that can, uh, I'm the one that can get myself out of this. And uh, so there's never been any magic thing. I guess also with pain, it's kind of just another feeling, right? That's how you look at it. It's you've been taught to stop, not do it anymore. Go away from it. Ouch, it hurts. Da, 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 da. Well, that gets stuck in us instead of just going, hey, pain's just kind of another feeling. Just learn how to deal with it. Learn how to manage it, right? Learn, learn how to feel it and transfer it or, 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 or meditate on it. You know, you meditate on your pain, you can get it to go away. Hmm. <laughs> you know? That might be a good title. Meditate on your pain and let it go away. Yeah, meditate <laughs> on your pain to get it to go away. <laughs> and uh, that being said, what's the best place for people to find you if they want to learn more? Um, yeah, you can follow me on Instagram, uh, Rhino Global, so R-Y-N-O Global on Instagram. Uh, my supplement company is rhinopower.com. Um, um, I have an online gym, rhinopowergym.com. Uh, my foot pegs and things like that is rhinoequipment.com. If anybody's listening that are motocross racers or want to, you know, I'm a certified life coach too, but more motocross stuff and this and that, you can go to therhinoinstitute.com. And so those are my, my websites that I, I do, do my stuff with. And uh, that's how you can reach me. If you just want to follow my crazy ass, then just go to uh, Instagram. That's the only social media I do. I don't do anything else. No Facebook. I don't Snapchat. I don't, nothing. Okay. I don't, even own a, I don't even own a computer. And that ohm symbol? Is that an ohm symbol I see there? On that, your glasses there. On these? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What's that is, mean to is, you? This to, to wrap this up. What does Om mean to me? Yeah. Om means. <sighs> this boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. 